In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, our gospel this morning is not an easy one, and it's not one that we often think about when we think about the gospels or think about the good news of Christ. It's a difficult reading. And so I want to start by looking at the very beginning of how the scene starts. And so our gospel begins by setting the scene at that very time. And so if we go back to the end of chapter 11, the beginning of chapter 12, we can see what that time is. Well, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and crowds are seeking him out. In fact, Luke 12.1 says, Crowds gathered by the thousands, so that they even trampled on one another to hear Jesus. In addition to the curious crowds, Luke also tells us that Pharisees and scribes are seeking him out to ask him hostile questions, and to try to catch him in a trap. And so we might understand this morning's reading then as the Pharisees and the scribes trying to trap Jesus. And they're trying to either turn the crowd against him or to turn the Roman authorities against him. Some in the crowd begin to ask Jesus about a recent tragedy. So it seems that some Jews from Galilee became political enemies of Pilate. And Pilate was the Roman governor of the region at that time. And so Pilate had his henchmen kill these Jews who became his enemies. And not only did he have them killed, but he had them killed in the temple where they were making their sacrifices. And if you've read the book of Leviticus, you know just how holy and set apart these sacrifices in the temple were to be. And so this is a gruesome political murder. Pilate is sending a clear message to the Jews about how they were to behave. Well, we can see then the trap that's being set for Jesus. So if Jesus then condemns the brutality of Pilate, well, he's now going to be Pilate's enemy, and Pilate might just seek to eliminate Jesus. On the other hand, if Jesus fails to condemn Pilate, the crowds might turn against Jesus, thinking he is unconcerned about Israel and the cruelty of Rome. And so the Pharisees, one way or the other, think they have Jesus in a trap. They've got him. But Jesus, as he always seems to show, doesn't play these kinds of gotcha games. Jesus, instead, makes an entirely new argument. And Jesus says to them, the way we ought to respond to this tragedy is first not to deflect from our own sinfulness, but instead to begin to receive each day as God's mercy. And so Jesus points out that it's always easy to react to any tragedy by first assigning blame. Jesus, however, asks us to step back and consider reports of tragedy as they connect to us spiritually. And so Jesus' first point is that his audience is composed entirely of sinners deserving of God's judgment. So notice how he moves from one tragedy, Pilate's execution of the Galileans, to another, a tower that fell and killed 18 people. Well, Jesus is doing this to make sure everyone is clear on his point. In the case of the Galileans, some might argue that, well, they deserve their punishment. They shouldn't have made enemies with Pilate. They deserve their death. They were breaking the law. They were sinners. But for those who were killed by a falling tower... It's clear that they weren't breaking any law. It was just a seemingly random tragedy. And so his point is, 
that we don't understand any of these tragedies, and we, cer we certainly should not understand them in terms of divine retribution. This isn't about God punishing one group over and against another. And so Jesus wants to avoid that common assumption, the common assumption that God acts in random retribution, and if calamities befall us, well, it means that we deserve them, or if calamities don't befall us, it means that, well, we're good, and God has blessed us. Instead, Jesus just turns the whole argument around, and Jesus says that unless we repent, we actually deserve the same kind of fate as all of those who were killed. According to Jesus, the Galileans who were killed by Pilate were sinners in the same way that those killed by the tower were. That is to say, well, we are all sinners in the same way that they were. All of us are sinners. All of us deserve God's judgment. Jesus also wants us to avoid the assumption that in the world's evils, that we're innocent and someone else is always to blame. Some in Jesus' time wanted to blame everything on the Romans. Some wanted to blame everything on revolutionaries like these Galileans. The idea here is that we often want to blame the evil that exists in this world entirely on someone else. It's always someone else's fault. The world's problems are always someone else's fault. Right? It's always the Democrats or the Republicans. It's always one country or another, one racial group or another. It's always men, it's always women, and so on. We always want to find someone else to pin the world's evil on. But Jesus wants to be clear here. If we're going to name the evils in the world, we must first start with ourselves. He says we are no better than any who have faced calamities. And so our personal response to such calamity is a call to examine our own hearts. I'm reminded by a quote by the Russian writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn. So he was an author during Soviet Russia, and he was sent to the gulags as a political dissident under Stalin's regime. And so his memoir about that time, the Gulag Archipelago, it sold millions of copies. But he writes in that memoir about a realization he had while in the gulags. He realizes that evil power like Stalin arose to power precisely because of the evil in his very own heart. And so he comes to this realization in prison and he writes, gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but it passes right through every human heart. Indeed, it passes through all human hearts. This, in many ways, is also Jesus' point in our gospel this morning. We can talk about Pilate's cruel and evil heart. We certainly can. We can talk about the crimes of the Galileans. We could. But all of it is futile unless we first recognize the sin in our own heart. As sinners, then, the correct response to calamities like are reported to Jesus is to repent. It's not first to assign blame. It's not to assume that God favors us over others because we avoided calamity. No, according to Jesus, seeing the calamities of others should remind us that we're never guaranteed that such a thing won't befall us. Our call is to repent of our own sins first. And that word repentance, it's so key to understanding the Gospels. 
Because repentance is not really a word on morality. Repentance is not directly about doing a 180 and living a new morally outstanding life. Such a 180 may be involved in repentance, but repentance itself is about a new perspective. Repentance is about a changed mind or a changed understanding. And so in the truest sense, according to Jesus, repentance is about receiving God's mercy. When we repent, we no longer see ourselves as our own savior. We no longer rely on our own goodness and our own efforts and assume that that's enough. When we repent, our focus is changed to God as merciful father. The life of repentance then understands that whatever is good in our lives is entirely a result of God's willingness to be merciful to us. So there is no promise of freedom from calamity. There's no promise that bad things won't befall us. There's only a reminder here from Christ that each day is a sign of God's care for us. Each day that we are still breathing is a new opportunity to return to the Lord. Each day is to live out our baptism. Each day is a call to repentance and a call to trust in God's mercy. And so each day we are given, it says to us, this is the day that the Lord has made. How are you going to use that day? Will you remember that whatever you have this day is from the Lord? Will you remember that whatever advantages you have, whatever good health, whatever moment to live free is given to you because God is calling you into relationship with him? That's what this day has been made for. And when some people die by the sword, some by natural calamity, some by tragedies and accidents, it's not because God is punishing them for some past sin. It's not because somehow those people are worse sinners than you and me, because if that were the case, none of us would be alive today. Rather, the tragedies of this world are a call for us to refocus our lives, to recognize that each day is given to us because God is merciful. Each day, God wants us to return to him and to know his goodness. Amen.